0: Be kind, be sweet, be thankful, be grateful, be wise with your choices. Don't be rude, don't be mean, let everybody be there to help and support you. I don't care what other people think. They must be kind of crazy if they think that you don't have a brain, but you obviously have a brain if you listen to this podcast. Milwaukee Milwaukee Times. Milwaukee Times. Milwaukee Times. Milwaukee. Times, Milwaukee Times, Milwaukee Times, Milwaukee, Milwaukee Times. Hey lovelies, we're gonna be continuing Malala Yosafi. In her father's school, Malala took many courses. She studied three languages Pashto, English, and Urdu, the official language of Pakistan. She learned math, science, history, and Islamic studies. Her mother, Soybekai, was anxious to learn too. She couldn't read or write, but she enjoyed listening to her daughter talk about what she had learned at school that day. Like most of the children in her classes, Malala spoke Pashto at home. At school, the teachers taught in English and Urdu. Soon, Malala was able to speak and understand all three languages. Some families paid a few dollars a month for the children to attend Zidans low-cost private schools. Other children could not afford to pay anything, but a father welcomed them anyway. Zialdean and his family had little money now. They bought CDs and books. Monana loved to read. After finishing the Twilight series, she thought it would be fun to be a vampire. The Yusufites also bought a TV. Sometimes they watched shows from Islamabad the capital of Pakistan, and once in a while, there were shows from faraway countries like England, Australia, and America. A Biberi, a show about a girl who worked in a magazine, was one of Malala's favorites. Malala began to see that people spoke and dressed and acted differently in different places. Her parents explained that people look may look different, but what matters is who they are on the inside. Malala loved going to the market with her mother. There were so many different stalls to visit. She bought small toys and sweets. And shiny bracelets. She examined the colorful scarves and the newest DVDs. She watched the cobbler making shoes and helped her mother pick out fruits and vegetables. As she grew older she began to spend more time with women and less time with the men but often she served the men tea and stayed to listen when she was 8 and 9 there seemed to be more talk about politics than poetry and the more she heard the more interested she became someone mentioned the war in the neighboring country of afghanistan a strict and violent group in power the taliban made women obey severe laws Girls and women could not leave the house unless they were with a man. And the man had to be a relative. Women could not work outside the home. Girls could not go to school. Many women who disobeyed the Taliban's laws had been badly beaten or put to death. Someone else mentioned a man on a local radio station. He was talking about stopping all girls and Mingora from going to school. Malala couldn't believe it. How could anyone say that girls couldn't go to school? Unlike her brother, Kushal, she enjoyed homework and writing papers and studying for tests. She won many prizes for earning the highest grade or being the best in her class. She loved all school books. Her father had found for her students to read. She loved speaking in front of the class and seeing her friends every day. Her friend, Maniba, most of all. Maniba was smart, too. Often, she and Malala would go into silly fights. But that didn't mean anything. They weren't best friends. Malala couldn't imagine what her life would be like if she didn't go to school. Oh, sorry for the interruption. My dog just came in here. Malala couldn't imagine what her life would be like if she didn't go to school. She was afraid. When Malala was little, there were many tourists in Swat Valley. Some came for the summer music and dance festivals. Others sat by the Swat River or climbed the mountains. Often they did not dress the same as the people in Swat. Malala knew that women and girls in different parts of the world followed different customs. Malala also knew that the Swat region was not as modern as some places in Pakistan. There were women in the big city Islamabad who dressed like the women in Europe and the United States that she had seen on TV. Most women and girls in Mingora did not dress that way. They wrapped their bodies in scarves or cloaks when they went out. They wore headscarves and her mother's mountain vi- village. Women often dressed in a more, an even more traditional way. They chose to wear a cloth garment called a burqa. Whenever they left the house, the burqa covered their whole body and face with a cutout so they could see. In 2007, Malala was 10 years old. By this time, members of the Taliban were taking over Swat Valley. They said that all women do wear, to wear Bukas. The Taliban wanted to take away freedom from all women. On the radio station, a Taliban man was shouting frightening things. He announced that besides wearing buquas, girls and women in Gora should stay at home. They could no longer go to the market alone. They could only go with a male relative. Women did not follow these rules and punished. Was that all? No. Women could not be able to vote. They could not hold jobs. They would no longer be female doctors, and women weren't allowed to go to male doctors. They could not go to hospitals. That meant there was no way for sick women to, get to be treated. Music and dancing were banned. All television CDs and computers would be burned. Only religious books could be read. Girls' schools would be destroyed, and if, and if they were not closed. Teachers and principals who continued... Teach girls would be punished. The man was saying that the good Muslims never would never allow girls to go to school. Malala knew that that wasn't true. Her friends and her family and friends and neighbors were all good Muslims. They were deeply religious. They prayed every day. They also believed that every child should be educated. At her religious school, Malala had learned that Muslims would believe in peace and kindness to others. One evening, a man came to Malala's house and told the to close the girls' high school. Malala's father refused. Malala was afraid. What if something happened to her father? Other schools were destroyed. The Taliban were breaking into homes. They were searching for illegal books. They were destroying TVs and video games. They closed the movie theaters and places where people got to listen to music and dance. Female doctors and teachers were leaving the area to work in safer places. Female doctors and teachers were leaving the area to work in safer places. Women were no longer at the market, and men were afraid. So many of the shops were closing. Men were no longer allowed to shave. Barbershops were closing, too. Men with guns, Taliban members, were everywhere. People were frightened to go outside. The Audi and Kipi schools opened, but many students were afraid of the Taliban and stayed home. At the end of 2007, the Pakistan Army arrived to the stop of the Taliban. Mingota and most of the Swat Valley became a war zone. There was bombing at night and during the day. Most people stayed in their homes, but children continued to go to school. Malala was one of them. <coughs> Fighting between Pakistan soldiers and the Taliban went on through much of 2018. Or 2008, I mean, sorry. After many months, it seemed like the army was winning. Everybody hoped the Taliban was gone for good. Life would soon get back to normal. The Pakistan army moved at of Swat Valley. The Taliban had not gone away. The radio threats had started again. People who did not follow orders would be severely punished. Shops were burned. By the end of 2008, there was more than 150 schools in Mingora destroyed. Four girls. Malala realized her school was in danger. She also knew that she was lucky. If her school closed, her father would still continue to teach her. He would find math and science book and literature for her to read. But most girls in Mungora were not as lucky as she was. What would happen to them? In December, Malala's worst fear came true. An order came from the Taliban. Girls' schools in Mungora would not reopen after winter break. The Taliban said boys could go back to school, but girls would not be returning. Malala and her friends were devastated. How could this be true? What would her life be like if they couldn't go to school? One day, a BBC reporter in Pakistan asked the Onion for help. BBC, the BBC Urdu website was looking for a teacher to write about a school closing Mingora. Ziyarin talked to some teachers, but they refused. They were afraid of the Taliban. Writing about what was happening in their city was too much dangerous. Lala had spoken out before, and she enjoyed it. In September 2008, she had given a speech about a local club for reporters. The title of her speech was, How Dare the Taliban Take Away My Basic Right for Education. Newspapers all over Pakistan were printed in her words. She was glad to tell people how strongly she felt. She had said what she believed, and nothing bad happened. Ziauddin thought his daughter might be the perfect person to write a blog for BBC. He asked Maralela. She was only alone. She didn't know much about writing journals, but she was ready to try. Malala's parents talked it over with the man from BBC. Everyone knew that Malala would do a good job. But there was much to consider. Malala was worried that something might, bad might happen for her father if she wrote in the blog. The man from BBC was worried about Ziauddin too. He was, also, he was also worried about Malala. Ziauddin wasn't worried about Malala. No, no one would hurt a child, he thought. That seemed impossible, out of the question. The man of BBC talked to Malala and her parents many times. Finally, it was decided. Malala would write a blog, a blog under one condition. She was a fake name. Malala's blog would be called Diary of a Pakistan Schoolgirl. She would use the name Gulen Makhai. This was the name of a strong girl in a famous Pashtun folktale. Malala would write notes and read them to the reporter every day on the phone. She would tell him how she and her friends were feeling and what was going on at home and school. The reporter would put her words in, onto a website. The BBC website started to publish The Diary of the pa- Pakistani schoolgirl on January 3, 2009, in Urdu and in English. Other blog posts followed. Malata's words were about getting ready for school and studying for all her tests. All the girls worried that school might not be real in this winter break. There was bombing in the night, and the girls were afraid. They were afraid that their school would be destroyed like so many other schools in Gora. However, the Pakistan army was fighting the Taliban. Maybe they would win and the school wouldn't close after all. At the same time, the New York Times newspaper was making a film about the Taliban who were taking over SWAT district and closing girls' schools in Mingora. The film featured Malala and her father. The cameras roamed from Mingora for six months, filming into the fighting between the Pakistan army and the Taliban fighters. Gunfire was heard everywhere. People were desperate to get out of the city. Terrified men, women, and children climbed to the roofs, of overcrowded buses and trucks that were leaving. Malala and Ziodin talked about bombs that exploded outside their home night after night, making it impossible to sleep. Malala said her father could no longer walk her to school. It was too dangerous for him to be seen outside. She liked her blue school uniform, she said, but now she couldn't wear it. A few schools, a few students who still tended to dress in plain clothes so the Taliban wouldn't know where they are going. Her school soon closed, she said, covering her face, trying not to cry. She wanted to be a doctor. Doctors must study for many years. How could she ever realize her dream if there was no school to go to? In January two thousand nine, the Taliban did a very little thing that uh, Malala lot had been dreading. Our girl's old girls' school would close for good on january fifteenth. Boys' schools would stay open, but girls would have to remain at home. On january fourteenth, when school's over, Malala said goodbye to Moniba and all her other friends. No one knew what would happen next. Malala spent the next days reading, reading, getting into fights with her brothers, and taking, talking to the BBC reporter. By February, Diary of a Pakistani Schoolgirl was being read all over Pakistan and in many other parts of the world. Malala continued writing it through March 12th. The name Gulmakai was becoming well known on spot. People wondered who it was. Malala didn't tell anyone, because Ziauddin had started schools for girls. Many people wanted to interview him about what was happening in Swat Valley. They wanted to talk to his daughter, too. Malala appeared on a Pakistani talk show. The host asked her questions about the war and school closing in Mingora. Most of the people in Pakistan believed in education for girls. They were upset about what was happening in Swat Valley. Many had read Malala's diary. The Taliban's leaders had to listen. In February, it seemed as if Taliban was having a change of heart. They announced that girls could go back to school. Malala and her friends couldn't wait to return to their studies. But even though some girls' schools were open again, the fighting in Mingora got worse. It was dangerous to walk in the city. Many students stayed home. Others left the city with their families. By May, Zildin saw there was no choice. He closed schools again. Malala and her family packed where they could hurry out of the Mingura. The next few months, living in the houses of relatives in safer cities nearby. Malala missed her books, her friends, and especially her school, but she was glad to be away from Mingora in the sound of exploding bombs. On July 24th, the Yosefaii family finally returned home. Mingora was bombed out of shell, what had been months. The war was over, and the Taliban had moved into the hills. That was good, but the Taliban fighters knew who Malala was. She was spoken out in public. She had been on TV. TV. And many people had read her BBC diary and watched her New York Times film. People were talking about her. In August, Malala's school finally reopened. Malala was too busy studying to worry about the Taliban. She had a new dream now. She wanted to become a politician. Politicians work to pass laws and that they believe and benefit their country. Malala wanted to make sure that all children everywhere had the opportunity for an education. By autumn of 2012, Mingora appeared to have returned to normal. The Pakistan army had cleared the Taliban from the city. Once again, the streets were alive with scooters and rickshaws. Children were playing cricket outside. The movie theater and barbershops had reopened. Some of Malala's favorite shows were back on TV. Many schools had been rebuilt, and the girls in Mingora had returned to their classrooms. Malala had become famous in 2011, and the Dutch Kids Rights Foundation had nominated her the International Children's Peace Prize. The prize is presented every year to a child whose courageous or otherwise remarkable acts and thoughts have been made a difference encountering problems which affect children around the world. She did not win that year, but it was an honor to simply be recognized. That same year, the Prime Minister of Pakistan had started the National Youth Peace Prize. It would be given each year to children under 18 who had done most for the peace. Malala was awarded the prize. The name of the prize was later changed to the National Malala Peace Prize. Her family was proud of her, but they had become more fearful. Malala rarely walked to or from school. Everyone knew that Taliban fighters had not gone far. They were out somewhere in the hills surrounding Mingora. No one was sure what they would do next. On October 9, 2012, Malala was feeling happy and proud as she climbed into a small school bus with her friends. She had studied hard for her test and thought she had done a good job. It was warm and fall that day. And the leaves were beginning to turn red and brown and yellow. Malala was 15 years old. Malala's school bus wasn't small at all. It was more like a pickup truck with three rows of seats and a roof. These sides were covered, but the back of the bus was mostly open. The bus was crowded with high school girls and three teachers. Malala was sitting next to her friend Muniba. Everyone had been singing and talking about tests. Suddenly, the bus stopped, and a man with a gun leaned into the back of the bus. Who is Malala? the man asked. Some girls glanced at Malala. The man watched their eyes. He knew the girl must be looking at the girl he was searching for. The man pointed the gun at Malala and pulled the trigger. Malala remembered very little about what happened after that. She did not remember being shot in the head. She had no memory of the helicopter that flew into the military hospital in Peshawar, Pakistan or her father arriving, or the surgery that saved her life. She was unaware of how sick after the operation she was, or the response of what happened. Reporters gathered around outside the hospital. Malala's picture appeared on newspapers all over the world. A local Taliban man had shot Malala, the article said. The news disgusted everyone, first in Pakistan, then everywhere. No one could believe what a young girl had been shot. A um, movesome child being hurt like that was unheard of. Malala was famous around the world now. Some of her stories made her sound almost too good to be true. But Malala was a regular girl. She liked Justin Bieber songs. Her favorite color was pink. She hated walking up early in the morning. She spent lots of time creating different hairstyles for herself, and she wished she wasn't so short. And she really enjoyed going to school, just like billions of other kids. Yet her love of learning was a reason she had been shot. Malala was alive, yet remained very ill. Everyone at the hospital was worried about her. The operation was a success. Success, sorry. Still, the doctors knew that she would have best care to recover completely. Malala was flown to a bigger hospital in Pakistan. She didn't remember that either. Soon, Malala improved to be enough to be moved once again. This time, in a hospital in Birmingham, England. Especially in injuries like hers. We'll continue reading Who Was Not This next time. Bye! Be kind, be sweet, be thankful, be grateful, be wise with your choices. Don't be rude, don't be mean, let everybody be there to help and support you. I don't care what other people think, they must be kinda crazy, if they think that you don't have a brain, but you obviously have a brain, if you listen to this podcast, Milwaukee Times, Milwaukee Times, Milwaukee Times, Milwaukee Times, Okey times, Mo Okey times, Mo Okey times, Mo Okey tie I E times,